Why, hello there. Welcome to He Saw, She Saw. I am Keith. And I am Corey. And we love movies. Just not the same ones. So every episode, we watch a movie that we love. But that the other one would never watch unless we were doing a podcast. And then we talk about it. A little rusty on the intro, but that's fine. That's all right. I feel like it should be consistent. Keith likes to improvise. I just, uh, just shoot from the hip. Uh-huh. Which, if you knew our personalities, that is completely not true. <laughs> We have completely reversed roles for this intro. Mm -hmm. So we went to Comic-Con, and we took uh, our little child, Mm -hmm. and she dressed up as Buzzberia. Vesperia from (laughs) Miraculous Ladybug, but she insists that the character's name is Buzzberia. And we don't correct her. No. Just like uh, she thinks Dave and Busters is called David Busters. (laughs) So now, in our house, we call it David Busters. Mm Mm-hmm. And you um, dressed up as Hawk Moth. I did my own spin on it. Instead of a full lucha mask, went with a uh, silver silver hair and a Venetian mask. And every once in a while, Vesperia would start punching me for no reason and be like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just in character. You're the bad guy. <laughs> but she, she liked it, I think. Comic-Con? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it basically feels like you're walking around the Delmar Fair uh, Bing Crosby Hall, mm-hmm. but we got to see one of my favorite shows, mm-hmm. what we do in the shadows, they had a panel, you went and got me some nachos, and then a lady knocked my chair, and the nachos ended up uh, on the floor behind me, and Keith wouldn't let me eat them off the floor, no, <laughs> but they were like $12, no, I offered to buy you more nachos, <laughs> but we had a moment where it was like... <laughs> Would you like me to buy you more nachos? No. I was like, okay. Well, these are going in the trash because we're in the middle of pitch black dark at Hall H. I just want a commendation on how well I cleaned that up with like eight napkins and in pitch black. Yeah, that was amazing. And I got a pretty cool Nadja nightclub shirt. You were smart enough to grab three tickets because there were three of us. So we got three of them. Yeah. So Auntie Kristen... Get a Nadja shirt. We found a booth that Isla and I could have stayed at all day. There was this man who had stuffed animals of diseases and uh, body parts. Isla mm-hmm. found a kidney that she thought was cute. I got endometriosis because I have endometriosis that I thought it was funny. So mm-hmm. I got a, it's a uterus with endometriosis. We were there for a very long time looking through all of the diseases and the scholastic book fair was there yeah and it was the last day so it was like 30 percent off then we're back to school and then so now here we are again with the lateness (laughs) yes but it's like every day i get to work and it's like ah the whole day everybody's out all the time always we are on another covid bike or whatever so i'm Mm -hmm. always covering for somebody my least favorite thing to do is recess supervision kind of like naja <laughs> i am like, naja <laughs> like Corey's enemy is the sun i hate the sun it's trying to kill my face mm-hmm. so i brought my big ass hat and i have big huge sunglasses 
and mm-hmm. everybody is always asking me if I'm on vacation. Well, speaking of school, uh, what are we watching this week? Well, oh, good segue. You get to watch The Breakfast Club. It's going to be interesting, especially now that I have a new wrestling character. Uh-huh. And who's your wrestling character? Principal Truman S. Steele, who is a principal, but not your pal. <laughs> and who came up with your little motto? My beautiful wife, Corey, did. <laughs> and then what did your daughter say that you should say? She said, you pooped your pants. Go to detention. <laughs> We're in the potty humor phase. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes, I'm a, a bad guy manager, and uh, it's a fun character, and I come out to Don't You by Simple Minds. Okay. We get in the ring, and in the last second, throw our fists in the air. Half the audience immediately threw their hands in the air, too. So it's like, yes. And then you're going to get to watch Avengers 2. I'm so confused with all the, there's like so many Avengers. I don't even know which one this is. Well, it's the second one because it's Avengers 2. I realize Age that. Of there's like Avengers, Take Manhattan. Wow. And the Avengers Christmas Carol. So I don't know which one it is. I am so glad I had already seen Muppets Take Manhattan because <laughs> you totally would have made me watch that. <laughs> With this. I think it'll be interesting to have you watch, because you'll actually know the characters and you'll have a sense of it. Mm-hmm. So I think this will be good. So it's not my favorite of the MCU movies, oh, but well it's then. like, <laughs> but it's good because it, it moves the story forward. So are you ready to watch this film? Yes, let's do it. Breakfast the, Club. The dog's having her breakfast, so why don't we watch Breakfast Club? <laughs> So we neglected to say that you actually met a he saw, she saw a celebrity at Comic-Con this year. I did. I did. I got to meet the incomparable Richard Grieco. (laughs) He was very nice. He's now got long hair and he had a cowboy hat. He's living his best life with Asylum Studios. And Asylum is famous for, of course. Sharknado and um, just... I wonder if he he and Ian Ziering are like best friends. I don't know. I think that would make sense. Every year they basically do a pitch session where you get to pitch movies. Or you could just make something up on the spot. I was a little too slow on the draw. By the time I had come up with a pitch off the top of my head, they had already filled up with slots. What was your pitch? My pitch would have been If Looks Could Spill. It had to be a sci-fi monster movie or natural disaster movie and so my thought was that Richard Grieco would play a spy who has to stop a oil spill that's rapidly polluting all of the Gulf of Mexico pretty good setup I'm telling you so anyway we watched the breakfast club last night and now it's past breakfast and it's time to uh, talk about it. how did how did you feel like it held up this one is not my favorite John Hughes movie I would mm-hmm. say my favorite John Hughes movie is probably pretty in pink but you had already seen that one mm-hmm. and 16 candles but I feel like it was important for you to see this one in watching it again I was like wow John Hughes should have been a playwright felt like a one-man show from Bender's point of view a lot of it <laughs> and um, this I hadn't seen it in its entirety in about 10 15 years so it felt a little slow and long did not age well I felt when you look at the reviews at the time it got really good reviews and they talked about how it was kind of like a Broadway play yes and how it was like <laughs> who's afraid of Virginia Woolf yes. or I guess the movie the big chill had just come out recently uh-huh. and so it was like called the little chill have you seen the big chill I don't think so I don't I know I should see the big chill but I don't think I've I think I've seen parts of it. We probably should watch it together and have yeah. it be the first one 
Like, because that's that's very odd for there to be a movie where it's like, oh, yeah, we both didn't see it. And it was so. an important movie. So do you have a pitch for The Breakfast Club, Keith? Five teenagers from different ends of the social strata all find themselves stuck in a Saturday detention. They think they have nothing in common, but they're about to form The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> I do want to say that in watching this movie, it was a little uncomfortable because I right now mm-hmm. have, I'm not going to say who, but I have several of those types of kids right now in my care. <laughs> I was like, oh, Bender. Ooh, wow. I have a Bender. Yeah. I have a Allison. Mm-hmm. I have a Sporto. I have a Brian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a Claire. But anyway, like most teenagers, the movie is not subtle in Uh characterization. And and (laughs) you can tell that from the opening because it opens with a quote from David Bowie, which says, and these children that you spin on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. So after the, by the way, this is a theme of the movie at the beginning. We then move into a, a voiceover of a person who will later find out is Brian. It's early Saturday morning on March 24th, 1984. You got Shermer High, which is a fictitious high school where Ferris Bueller's Day Off and other um, John Hughes movies live. There are five kids coming to the school for detention, and the drop-offs very quickly tell us about the characters. Molly Ringwald plays a stuck-up princess uh, named Claire, who's being comforted by her dad in, in his BMW. We have Anthony Michael Hall plays Brian, a smart, nerdy kid with a very overbearing mother. And Emilio Estevez plays Andrew, who's evidently a really good wrestler. He's a sporto. With an overbearing dad who's determined that his son's going to be a winner. And uh, Ali Sheedy is Allison, and she plays the basket case, which is kind of the forerunner to emo. Her parents, like, barely stopped the car long enough for her to get out. And then uh, lastly is Judd Nelson as Bender, who is, they call the criminal, which is really such a high school way of looking at it. It's like, he's just, he would be considered like a rebel or a burnout. He's trying to act way tougher than he is. If he's such an outsider, such a rebel, like, why did he show up to Saturday school? We find that out during the movie, why he would do that. Okay. So we meet a cocky administrator named (laughs) Vernon. And we never find out, like, some places say he's the principal, but it's like there's no way a principal is spending their weekend doing this. So no. he's got to be, like, an assistant principal. Yeah. Or well, and he even says he's, like, been teaching for 20 years or whatever. So maybe he's just, like, you know, the guy who needs the extra cash. Yeah, he's the guy who's, like, he thinks he's tough enough to take the – he can take on these kids. And so, you know, the administration goes, I don't want to deal with them. So they puff up his ego. Yeah. So he's – for a ridiculously low amount of money, he's losing his Saturdays. Right. And so, uh, and he informs them that they're about to serve a nine hour detention, which is just crazy. I'm just like, holy Lord, (laughs) like what? I think our Saturday schools are only till noon. They, I, at least at my school, they need to be four hours. Uh So not only (laughs) is this going to be a nine hour detention where they can't sleep or talk or do anything except sit in that chair. And write a thousand-word essay explaining who they think they are. Vernon clearly has a history with Bender, and they already are kind of sparring a little bit. And so Vernon's like, yeah, you better watch out because I'm watching. And then he proceeds to go across the hall. And go somewhere else. Into an office. You would never leave 
five kids who are in detention in a room by themselves. Oh, especially even like across the hall, like and especially once we start finding out what's going on with these people, it's like, no, (laughs) as soon as he leaves, the kids are all from like opposing cliques. And so they just start making fun of each other and not getting along. And so we really establish how different they feel that they are. And the part that I found particularly funny about this was Brian, played by Anthony Michael Hall is just he's such a geek and he tries to jump into a couple conversations and it's just it's really good comedic timing on his part and we, which is insane because he's like 16 i know some of that's improv like i know that's amazing timing anyway the part i hated then and throughout is just the bender character he's nagging claire the whole time so he's you, abusive yeah early on he literally suggests hey let's close the door and impregnate the prom queen he that's basically the first thing he says just uh um, so that's uh, severe. Oh yeah, no, completely. It's My just goodness. I partially blame Vernon. That's like verbal what assault. The, oh, it's to, it's totally sexual harassment. We established that they're all kind of kind of enemies, except for Claire and Andrew are on different places in the cool crowd, but they're the the cool ones out of there. Yeah. And so Bender is bored, and so he goes over, and he takes a screw out of the door, so it automatically shuts. It makes a big banging noise because it's a big double door vernon races in and starts yelling and it's just like teacher 101 you don't just come in yelling accusing kids of stuff especially when you should have been in the room in the first especially place. when you should be in the room in the first place but because he's so over the top he gives bender two months of detentions they spar and they're both not backing down yeah there's just there's so many different ways and better ways to handle that Anyway. You know that this is like told from a, a, a student's point of view. Yeah. So, unreliable when narrator. I hate watching teachers being portrayed behaving badly. Mm-hmm. So with the doors closed, the kids get even snarkier with each other. Bender eventually gets so lewd with Claire that Andrew threatens to beat him up. Bender makes fun of Andrew and then starts a fight. And Andrew immediately just wrestles into the ground like with no sweat. Just like <laughs> boom, boom, boom down on the ground. And Bender is just like face on the floor can barely speak and andrew's like you give up you give up and he's like well you're not worth it and he kind of gets up like i chose not to i chose not to because you know i don't want to because i'd kill you and then your parents would sue me and you're just not worth it and they're like yeah 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 cool story bro Uh and then bender comes out with a switchblade (laughs) and sticks it on the desk and it kind of escalates the scene a little bit however ellie sheedy yeah which saves the scene is that, you know, talk about toxic masculinity. What saves the scene is, well, Bender is trying to save face, and no one's buying it. Ali Sheedy just kind of goes into the frame real quick and snatches the switchblade. And steals it. And steals it. And de- she's a klepto. Yeah. Anyway, we have lunchtime. Claire's got sushi. I believe this movie taught me about what sushi is. It might have, because no one is bringing sushi to school in 84. No. And so, so but of course she's got sushi, because we're establishing she's super rich and privileged. Mm-hmm. Allison has... Uh, Olive loaf. Oh, my gosh. Pimento loaf. Pimento loaf. Just most disgusting. Lunch meat ever. So she throws that on the statue that's over <laughs> and then proceeds to put in two and a half pixie sticks uh-huh. and Captain Crunch onto her sandwich and then eats it. And everyone's looking at her like, you are a maniac. <laughs> and uh, I try it. And Andrew has got a bodega that comes out of his bag. <laughs> Five sandwiches. Do like a big thing of milk. And because he's an, he's an athlete. Athlete. And, 
Yeah. Got a carbo load. I miss being a teenager where you could just eat forever and, it, and, it, and I could not gain a pound. And then Brian has got soup and peanut butter and jelly with crust cut off. Which causes Bender to start to make fun of him and make fun of what his home life is like. Andrew has already established he's better than Bender. Is like, well, you know, well, what about your family? And then Bender play acts a father being abusive. Andrew says, ah, you're just lying. And so Bender rips up the sleeve of his shirt and you see this, what's probably a cigar. Bender storms off, gets very upset. And again, like you said earlier, unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Who knows where that came from? Right. Who knows if he's just play acting to try to act like he's tough. You but know, they do like, have a scene where, like, he's, like, trying to calm down. They're trying to establish that he, he was, it did bother him, did get to him, and he was trying to calm down. Yeah. Allison <laughs> has barely said nothing, like, the whole time. And so when they go off to get drinks for everybody, uh, Andrew actually gets her to open up a little bit. And she's just even weirder than you think. Bender won't stop sexually harassing Claire. And so Bender switches over to Brian because Brian says something. He's like, oh, no, I've, I've, I've. I've what did he say? He's laid, ladies. I've, I've laid plenty of times. <laughs> and so... In Canada, you wouldn't know. Canada, yeah, you wouldn't know. Or, and so Bender is just like, oh, yeah, now you're a virgin. And there's a sweet moment where Claire looks at him and is like, that's, you know, that's, that's, no, that's no big deal. They've, they've now kind of bonded a little bit. They've all kind of established they've got issues. And so Bender wants to take off. So they're like, okay, let's take off. Vernon is doing God knows what. He's probably gone for a little bit. Yeah. And so they sneak out, get to Bender's locker, and he's got a forearm worth of pot. That's way too much pot, especially for a kid to have, like, at school in, in his, his locker. locker. Well, he yeah. had it in three brown bags. Yeah, it will, It was... So it's protected. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when they're getting back, Vernon is kind of close by, and Vernon keeps going in the places that will allow them to get to the library and get back. And so Bender's like, look, you, you, you guys just go back. I'll, I'll take care of this. And so Bender starts making tons of noise and races off to the gym mm-hmm. after having given, you know, the, the full salami of, of marijuana <laughs> stuff that down Brian's uh, Brian's pants. And so he, he distracts Vernon. So Vernon catches him. But the others get back safely to to the library. Vernon marches Bender into the library to make an example. And again, you know, you can just feel the kids just completely losing any last shreds of respect that they have for this guy. One of the funny lines I thought was when Vernon's like, yeah, you, you don't think this is serious? What if your home? What if your family? What if your dope was on fire? John Bender says. Uh, well, it wouldn't because it's in Ryan's pants, sir. Impossible, sir. It's in Johnson's underwear. <laughs> anyway, so after, again, trying to make an example out of Bender and, and completely failing at it, he takes him over to the office where he was and tries to pick a fight with Bender. He's like, come on, come on. Give me a punch. Give a punch right here. And he puts his face right in right where Bender is. In a closet that he's about to lock him in. He's like, no one will believe you. They'll believe me. Everyone loves me here. And I'm like, eh, I doubt it. That part made me sad. Bender basically at that point is easy prey because he's such a problem and he is disadvantaged and so he's going to take advantage of him and no one's going to believe him and it's just sad because even if someone is an a-hole that still doesn't mean that that's it's okay to take advantage of him and it's just sad that you know nobody would believe him because of that it puts bender in the impossible position because (laughs) this guy is trying to soothe his ego by thinking that he's tougher than this kid who's like half his age there's no win for that kid either he gets beat up by the teacher or 
more accurately, he gets in an even fight or beats up the teacher and then he gets in trouble. And who's going to believe that the teacher would put himself in that position? Vernon calls him pathetic and closes the door. And immediately Judd Nelson is like acting scared. And then as soon as he closes the door, he looks up and he's up in the ventilation, which again, that's not how that works. He's dieharding. He's, he's doing a diehard up there. But the ceiling that he is supposedly crawling on is like that foam panels that aren't really a, a ceiling. You know that thing that you poke with one finger and it, and it goes through? That you throw pencils Yeah, at? it's like the, that type of paneling. <laughs> Those panels don't break until he's back over the library. And he crashes through. He's made a huge ruckus. And so he goes down. All the students are like, what are you doing? Like, what happened? He's like, oh, I forgot my pencil. Vernon bursts through the door. And so Bender has to dive under the desk where Claire is. Mm -hmm. And so as he's down there and everyone's trying to be quiet and staying up straight, he notices that his head is right in between Claire's legs and we get a shot of her panties. He then gets a creepy look on his face and does literally sexual assault. Uh And, but she doesn't do anything because again, they hate Vernon so much. So she's got to keep a straight face while Vernon is there. Then Vernon leaves. And as soon as he leaves, you know, she slaps him and hits him. But it's like, it's, it's not any sort of, yes, I don't know. I felt just so horrible for her. But you can tell on her face that it really bothered her. Yeah. And it it wasn't okay. So we now have the rest of the formula of a teen movie. Uh, We have a reefer madness level of, of performance by Emilio Estevez of what it's like to smoke pot, where he literally <laughs> punctuated by a scream, which breaks a, a window. And uh, I'm did just you like, No. You didn't? No, oh I didn't. Oh my God. From what I understand, that movie's about. It's like. Like Jimmy had angel dust, and then he flew through the window and killed himself oh on gosh. accident. Yeah, but it lowers everyone's kind of inhibitions. And so we have Crying. like these montages of opening up to each other, smoking, goofing off, dancing, hanging out. Going through each other's wallets. Yeah. When Andrew is talking to Brian and says, what do you need a fake ID for? Brian says. So I can vote. Winner, winner. Eventually the kids circle up and that's where the best acting in the whole movie takes place. We learn that the the pressure that everyone feels like they're under, like Mm -hmm. Allison's parents ignore her, that which causes her to be a compulsive liar to get attention and Andrew is trying to live up to his father's idea of toxic masculinity, and he's really remorseful for, for the thing that he did to, to get him into detention. Claire, you know, she has it all, but she's, like, beholden to the popular kids to, to always be cool. And her parents, she's not even sure if they love her, and they're, they're fighting all the time, and so she's dealing with all that. The biggest surprise, again, is, is Brian, who's the brain here, is just under huge pressure that he's putting on himself to get this unassailable GPA. Let me take shop class because that'll be an easy A, not realizing that shop is a skill. And so sure enough, he might have a brain, but he couldn't make a stupid lamp work. So he got an F on that. And he was feeling so much pressure. He brought a gun to school, which made me go, woof. And he's like, well, I can't have an F. And I'm like, oh my gosh, was he going to kill the teacher? Yeah. And then we find out that he was going to kill himself at school. The problem was that he brought a flare gun and it went off in his locker, which makes people kind of laugh. But you can't mistake a flare gun for a gun. No, so you have that's, to. I was confused. I mean, it, that was funny, well, I mean, the image of the flare gun going off. But like, are you dumb? That's what makes it funny is how could you be so smart and so stupid to think. Yeah, I think that was kind of the point. That kind of makes everyone laugh for a little bit. One of the most poignant moments in that is when Brian's like, well, what's, we're all friends now. What's going to happen on Monday? Mm-hmm. And that gets really awkward because it's kind of clear. It's like, well, I, 
I think it just goes back to what it was. Mm-hmm. It makes them all kind of pause and like make the decisions. What is Monday going to be like? Brian, it's not exactly what happens to the Jumanji crew. Yeah, exactly. Because they all end up being like friends forever. Yeah, BFFs immediately. Mm-hmm. I've seen Jumanji about 800 times, the second and third ones. So Brian ends up running the essay for all of them. Claire gives Allison a makeover, which causes Andrew to realize that she really is a girl. And then Claire decides to screw around with Bender. So time's up. Detention's completed. Everyone's leaving. Andrew kisses Allison. Because she's pretty now. Because she's pretty now. So she's wearing Although she looks exactly the same as her hair is back. And she's wearing a white shirt. Yeah. And what was funny about that is she's like obviously giddy. And she looks at him. And as she turns around, she rips off a patch <laughs> off his varsity, his varsity which jacket. number one, that is tough. And then she sticks it in her purse. Bender and Claire, who have done God knows what in that closet, they have an adult kiss. The film ends with a voiceover from Brian reading the end of his essay. And he explains that outside of the boxes society wants to put them in, they found out that each of them is a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal with the visual of Bender crossing the football field alone defiantly thrusting his fist in the air as Brian ends saying sincerely the breakfast club hey 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 hey, hey, hey. don't you <laughs> so the bad of this movie uh, um, the lax attitude towards serious issues Brian brings a flare gun and we're just going to put him in detention without like psychological counseling and without an adult around him at all points Andrew had literally taped a guy's butt cheeks shut and we're going to let leave him alone and with someone who cut class to go shopping yeah we've mentioned to death the sexual harassment that Claire went through both Ali Sheedy and Molly Ringwald tried to advocate for themselves during this movie evidently at the time Molly at first, advocated against the whole thing with Bender. And later, Molly felt strong enough to speak out on it. And she said when she was showing, I think it was in The New Yorker, she wrote an article talking about showing this movie to her to daughter. Her, to her daughter and being like, yeah, this was horrible. Well, and it was during the Me Too stuff. Yeah, Someone was, asked her about it. And she was like, oh, it's no big deal. And then she thought about it. And she was like, actually, it is kind of a big yeah, deal. No, it's a, yeah, it's like horrible. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the, the all the sexual harassment her character has to go through. And then she goes to... Yeah. She goes to the goes towards the abuse abuser at the end, and it's just like which I kind of slightly get as a girl who was in high school and a good girl, and this bad boy is giving you attention. It's negative attention, but he's giving you attention, and you're like, ooh. Which is why some guys nag. Yeah, but he was a little scary. Oh yeah, and as being a guy who unfortunately was clearly Brian, I remember being that age and being like, I just don't get it, and I didn't realize at time it's it's about confidence. Mm-hmm. At that point, you don't understand the difference between confidence and, like, being an a-hole. Yeah. One of the good things about the movie is when Allison lays out the issue that all women have to deal with. And it, it's, I think, has gone slightly better, but it definitely hasn't gone away. It's like, look, you're either you're a prude mm-hmm. or you're a slut. There's no in-between. Unless you want to be a tease. Which is worse than the other two. But, yeah, another thing that kind of, like, in-between bad and good, which I just have to say to get off my chest... Was just the whole Vernon character. That guy just really upset me. And one of the things that really put into focus to me the importance 
of not overworking your teachers. The guy's problem is that he must have respect from these kids. As soon as you put yourself on any sort of level as your students, you've lost. When you're a teacher, you just like, I'm there to do a job. It is nice when kids like me, but I don't need their adulation. When the school becomes your life and the students are always around you, they're naturally going to start to become your peers. And that's where things get it gets much easier like for Mary Kay Letourneau, guys. Yeah, so it's like you got to keep that separation. And Pam, smart. Yeah, nah, Pam, not so smart. But um, <laughs> the other problematic thing I just have to say out loud is just like the whole makeover scene with with Ali Sheedy. Her life is suddenly better just because she dressed up like Barbie's life in the dream house. So mental issues totally fine, totally different now that she looks different. You guys, um, she has a boner here now, okay? Yeah. What's good about this movie? It does a very good job of portraying teens as complex young adults trying to figure themselves out. From their point of view. Which makes it much different from the vast majority of movies which had occurred mm -hmm. up to that point. And again, how the issues are being handled might be up for debate, but that they have them. Mm -hmm. It takes the problem seriously. Claire, first world problems on one hand, but on the other hand, it's a problem because she sees it as a problem. Right. Not saying that it's on par with other people's problems, right. but when you're a teenager and that's all you've lived with. You only think about your problems. Yeah. The best acting I thought was Emilio Estevez. His monologue about his dad and the guilt he felt about completely emasculating that other kid is not only amazing acting, but that was improvised by Emilio. Was it? Spectacular. So what's your rating for this? I'm a little conflicted on how to rate this, but I think it has to be a double thumbs up. But that doesn't mean that I agree with everything that's in the movie. Huge Me Too concerns and sexual harassment concerns about it. The reason I would still think that it would be two thumbs up is because that is something that women had to deal with uh -huh. and so it's like if i we could shouldn't just throw that away. so we shouldn't yeah we shouldn't throw away what they had to deal with the struggle molly ringwald wrote it much better than me the problem is is that the pervert wins in the end that's the harasser wins at the end, yeah. which I don't like that part of it. Which is like, hey, guys, if you act like this to women, then they'll be your girlfriend to make their dad mad. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I'm conflicted. It's well, like, OK, so it's an important movie. But would you ever want to watch it again? Uh, would you watch it a bunch of times and enjoy it? I, w I wouldn't watch it like every day or anything like that. But I would I would definitely watch it again. Oh, okay. I think I think it's a I think an it's good. Maybe movie. I think. Yeah, I think and I think it's problematic. It's um. It's a bit problematic because of that, but to me also problematic means discussion. Yeah. You know, so I, if there was any way to make sure that Bender wouldn't be glorified, then yeah, definitely a double thumbs up. It's interesting. I like, I like the way that you're looking at that. Just remember, Keith, we're all a princess in a basket case. And an athlete. Brain. And a criminal. <laughs>So we watched uh, one of the Avengings. Mm -hmm. Avengers the Ave 2, Age of Ultron. The Avengefold 5. <laughs> you just, I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> we watched it a little while ago. Yet again, a little behind. A lot of things going on. We had a, our dryer catch on fire with actual flames. Mm -hmm. Never experienced that before in all my years. Uh, neither did I. It was, it was <laughs> well under control when I saw it, but yeah, we took care of it. Without unloading a fire extinguisher throughout the house. Well, that's because I couldn't get the box open in time. <laughs> Thank goodness I got up. <laughs> Thank goodness for you, because uh, you put it out. You're my knight in shining armor, um, and I was still fighting with the packaging. <laughs> <laughs>
my teacher emergency response training kicked in because I've been to several of those meetings where they taught us how to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, what is it, point, announce, uh, shock. I have uh, never been through that training, and I know that's not it. <laughs> Speaking of machines that tried to kill its masters, let's talk about Age of Ultron. Ooh, good segue. Uh, yeah, let's talk. Let's do. How did this movie hold up for you? I think it held up pretty well. There's so much I could say about it, but I'm not going to. Thank you. I think what's interesting about it is when you watch the movies in order, a lot of it builds on itself. You can see hints to what's going to come in the future. There was hints? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which you don't get watching I it the first time, but yeah. then when you watch it again, you'll be like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm not watching this again. <laughs> Would you like to hear my pitch for this movie? I would love to hear your pitch. Okay. The team is back together again to save humanity from yet another plot to trigger human extinction. Again. Mm-hmm. And they don't like each other, and then they like each other. Again. Again is the operative word. It's a sequel. Oh, my gosh. I didn't do, like, a ton of research this time, so I feel like it's better when I tell the story as best as I understood it. Mm-hmm. Also, it feels like now when I'm watching these movies, I feel like I'm trying to do quantum physics to keep up, um, so I don't understand a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a dumb person, I don't think. No. I just don't have the, the uh, front loading, and I nor do I want it. <laughs> That is the problem. I can help with much of that, <laughs> but that it. help is not appreciated. <laughs> well, I appreciate that you're trying to help me. It's just my brain is full, and if you shove more stuff that I don't need in it, then I'm going to forget how to tie my shoes. Oh, okay. Does not track, but okay. <laughs> I'm going to forget how to make coffee, and that is not okay. Mm-hmm. So we open in Slovakia, not Slovakia. So I think the name of the country that we start in is Sakovia. <laughs> not Slovakia. No. So we're at a Hydra facility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Where humans have been experimented on with mm-hmm. Loki's magic stick. Mm-hmm. And we meet this creepy. Wow. What? <laughs> Keep mean, going. So we meet the creepy twins from the extra credit scene from the last movie. Mm-hmm. Wanda, played by Elizabeth Olsen, which I didn't catch that her name was Wanda or that she was the Wanda from <laughs> WandaVision, WandaVision until, until really, really late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then her brother, Pietro? Pietro, yeah. Wanda has telekinesis and telepathy, and Pietro has superhuman speed. Mm-hmm. Or as my seven-year-old calls it, super cat speed. So when uh, we take the dog out, they have this game where uh, when we get close to our porch, I unclick the leash, and she'll go, okay. Supercat speed! And she says that if she says supercat speed, that makes the dog run. And so then they race to the door. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she lets her win. Oh, Which one? Uh, both of them sometimes let each other win. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Okay. So the team steals back Loki's magic stick. Tony Stark, of course, played by Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Banner, played by Mark Ruffalo and mm-hmm. his kind eyes, take apart the glow ball part of the magic stick and find some alien AI software. So Stark decides they should use it for his Ultron project. Unfortunately, Ultron becomes sentient and decides that he must eradicate humanity for some reason. And mm-hmm. so he attacks... Jarvis, which if you don't know, Jarvis is like um, Tony Stark's uh, Alfred, right? But AI. 
Do you like very, these connections I'm making? And it's a very good one because <laughs> Jarvis in the comic books was literally the butler for the Avengers. Oh. And so that's always been a cute little aside. And isn't it Jude Law or something? No, it's Paul, Paul Bettany. Bettany. Which, oh my gosh, I just realized something. Okay. What did we realize since we watched the movie a couple weeks ago? And <laughs> it's been stewing in your consciousness ever since. Oh, that's why Paul Bettany plays the, okay, well, I'll get to it because I don't want to spoil it for people. Wow. Whew, my brain hurts right now. How do you make coffee again? <laughs> <laughs> the Avengers are celebrating at a party where they get Stan Lee and his war buddies drunk off some whiskey from uh, an aged Viking's foot. <laughs> yeah, Asgard liquor, basically. So they all try to pick up Thor's hammer, and uh, none of them can do it because they're not worthy. And then all of a sudden... Although Steve Rogers does budget a little bit. Oh, just a little bit because mm-hmm. he's so good. He's, he's worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so then... The shiz is going down. Uh-oh. So here's where the quantum physics comes in, so please mm-hmm. bear with. So somehow this AI Ultron, played by James Spader, mm-hmm. by the way, this is the most James Spader robot I have ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was basically like uh, Steph from Pretty in Pink, if he were a robot, sans the feathered hair in Miami Vice starter kit. Ultron, or uh, Steph, the robot, as I will heretofore refer to him as. No. <laughs> He's in the internet, I guess. He's in the internet, I guess, like Tron. Um, so he can hop in and out of electronic things, and he attacks the Avengers. And he steals back Loki's magic stick, and he takes off. And he also kills what? Um, my joy. <laughs> no, that's the movie. So we have this we have this dialogue where Ultron is talking to someone in the internet and then mm. Ultron essentially kills this Jarvis. Dude. Exactly. Yes. Sorry. I thought I was getting to that, but maybe I forgot to get to that. Yes. Also he destroys Jarvis. Which is really interesting that people don't like to talk about with AI, but we actually at this point have already created AIs which not only communicate with each other, but they create languages that we can't decode oh great yep so they're talking smack about us so uh i am always nice to our internet overlords who run the internet (laughs) and alexa i'm sorry google wherever you are (laughs) it's funny because my mom she has a question she'll go okay google and like hoping that some phone will ask her what she wants (laughs) because she saw me do it one time she doesn't have a google activated anything (laughs) so uh old so james spader (laughs) Steph the, so Steph the angry robot Ultron. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes off and he goes to Sovokugia. Sokovia. <laughs> to build an army of robot minions, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he goes ahead and recruits the creepy twins because mm-hmm. that's where they live. So then they go get some coconut lime verbena at a base while they're there. The Avengers show up to stop them. You're talking about vibranium? Yeah, coconut lime verbena. What is. <laughs> How did, where's the jump there? I feel like we're two AIs and I'm confused. What is? Keith, it's Bath and Body Works. It's coconut lime verbena. Uh-huh. It's lotion. And it smells good. And how is that? Because vibranium? I couldn't remember what vibranium was. So uh-huh. I was like, oh yeah, the coconut lime verbena. Do you want me to just call it verbena? Uh, sure. <laughs> or add the coconut lime, I know. Yeah, it's, you know what I'm talking about. I've given up. Okay. Verbena. Verbena. Ver. <laughs> now what I'm screwing up. Bye. 
by Brainium. Brainium. Coconut lime verbena. Verbena. Okay. So where was I? <laughs> I don't know. You have to let me do this my way, or I can't. Mm. <laughs> so the Avengers show up to stop them, and Wanda starts messing with everybody's head. So the team is super freaked out by their visions, and they head off to a secret hideout, which turns out to be Barton, who is played by Jay Ren, his farm. And he is married to a lady and has two kids. They have one more child on the way. Tasha, ScarJo, mm-hmm. and Bruce have a romance brewing and banner doesn't think it's a good idea they can't just settle down and have kids like barton and then we learn that part of natasha's previous training included her being sterilized so she can't have one anyway so thor is all freaked out that he may have seen the apocalypse in his vision ragnarok yeah what's ragnarok that's the norse uh army apocalypse lips yeah the end of the world in norse mythology is ragnarok Sounds like a band. A lot of Viking stuff does. <laughs> Hence the connection between death metal and Viking imagery. Oh, wow, we're just learning so much right now. I know. I don't, how do I turn my cues? <laughs> <laughs> so Nick Fury, mm-hmm. Sam Jacks, okay. shows up and talks the team into getting a plan together to stop Steph the robot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Steph goes to South Korea and finds Steph the angry robot Steph, Ultron. Steph the angry ro- robot Ultron. Goes to South Korea and finds the Avengers. I like how you're like, yes, adding me, mm-hmm. but also, but knowing me. <laughs> Just trying to give people a shot to, to follow along. <laughs> so I'll, I'll allow the step, but you have to say, Steph the Angry Robot Ultron. Oh, so you're punishing me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Steph the Angry Robot Ultron finds the Avengers buddy, Helen Cho. She's like some sort of genetic engineer. So he mind controls her to create a body with a combination of synthetic tissue, coconut lime verbena, and the genie gem from Loki's magic wand. While Steph, the angry robot Ultron, tries to get into this new body, Wanda reads his mind and she sees that he's gonna wipe out the humans. She freaks out and the twins turn against Steph, the angry robot Ultron. He gets unplugged before he can complete the uh, possession. So the Avengers show up and they fight him off and they steal the pod body? And uh, Steph, the angry robot Ultron, captures Natasha in the process and takes her to his secret hideout in... Sokovia. (laughs) So Stark tries to convince Banner not to destroy the pod body because he was able to find Jarvis and rebuild him. Mm -hmm. So now he wants to put Jarvis inside the pod body and use him to fight Steph, the angry robot Ultron. And here is your first quote. Oh, no. That you get to finish. Are you ready? Okay. So uh, Banner says, you want me to help you put Jarvis into that thing? And Stark says, no, I want, I want you to put that, that body or the, I want you to put Jarvis into that thing. Okay. You get three out of five. Okay. He says, you want me to help you put Jarvis into that thing? And he says, of course not. I want to help you put Jarvis into this thing. There you go. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it was a fun. So a fight breaks out when the rest of the team realizes what Stark wants to do, and the boy twin pulls a plug, and Thor shows up and Frankenstein's the pod body with lightning from his hammer. So Vision is born, mm-hmm. played by da 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 Paul Bettany, mm-hmm. and that was the realization that I had about ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, it's just like so many things, like so much connection. Yeah, I know. My my synapses are firing. So, uh, 
You don't know how to put on clothes anymore. I yeah. don't. Where did the shirt go? Where did the shirt go? <laughs> this was at the point when I realized that Elizabeth Olsen is actually playing Wanda from WandaVision. Because I turned to you and I said, wait, is her name Wanda in this movie? And you were like, yes. Yes, hour and a half into it. It yes. is. Since you've only seen one episode of WandaVision. In WandaVision, she doesn't have an Eastern European. No, she does not. And she doesn't dress like she does in this movie. So Vision, Stark, Banner, and Thor try to talk the others into going along with this new Jarvis, which is Vision. Thor assures them that having the genie gem on their side is a good thing. This is at the point where I asked you, oh, is that one of the gems from the guy's fist cup? I know about this because Keith gets to go to Disneyland every year for grad night. One year, all these kids were walking around with a snap guys fist cup the fist is so huge it has enough. it has a drink compartment mm-hmm. so he liked it when he came home he was all he was talking about so i found it on ebay and i bought one for him do we still have that somewhere so it's cemented when vision picks up thor's hammer and hands it to him just nonchalantly and the tube is completely flabbergasted and then i shouted he's worthy <laughs> there you go so i knew one thing mm-hmm. so barton locates natasha because remember uh Steph, the angry robot Ultron, uh, took her with him wherever he went. Mm-hmm. And Vision and the twins head over there to find out that Steph, the angry robot Ultron, is using the rest of the coconut lime verbena to, I guess, lift the city up and drop it down like a makeshift meteor. Mm-hmm. And that's going to kill everyone in the city and, of course, cause an extinction event on Earth. So Stark antagonizes Steph, the angry robot Ultron, first. And here's another quote for you. I want I want Adam first because he doesn't like me or whatever. And then Vision crosses frame and says very nonchalantly. Well, he does hate you the most. <laughs> so Vision reaches inside of Steph, the angry robot Ultron. Um, I guess kicking him off the internet? Yeah, well, one of the issues with these types of villains all the time is that if you're on the internet, you're everywhere all at once. And so we've already established earlier in the movie that Jarvis has been kicking Ultron out as much as he could and stopping all these things from happening. So they came up with this plot device of we're going to have a scene where it's like, nope, you can't go on the internet anymore. So and we're going to make it understandable so, to people. So we have to do it in a physical way. Exactly. Got it. So Banner releases Natasha, and he tries to convince her to call it a day. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, I adore you. But I need the other guy. And she pushes him <laughs> off of a ledge, <laughs> which pisses him off and turns him into the Hulk. So we have another very long battle, reminiscent of the one in New York with the Chitaras. Mm-hmm. Chitaras, I like that. I can't. Yeah. What's from uh, Thundercats. Thundercats? Only worse because these guys are metal. So it was like, the stakes have been raised. Mm -hmm. I see you. They swarm them like locusts Mm -hmm. in the Avengers fight and simultaneously try to get the civilians to evacuate the city. All Mm -hmm. of the civilians in a whole city. And the city lifts off the ground, which reminded me of the plot in Despicable Me 3. Baltazar Brat tries to pick up Hollywood with the bubblegum. What I also liked, Captain America insists that they save everyone. Because it's not just about beating Ultron, but it's proving Ultron wrong. It probably, honestly, is in reaction that people were talking about the first movie, the first Avengers, they were like, well, wait a second, there's all this destruction. Complain like, why, why weren't they saving more people? So I think this was like, okay, keyboard warriors, <laughs> we're saving the people. So surprise, surprise, Nick Fury shows up in uh, the Wonder Woman plane with the lifeboats. <sighs> the Hello Kitty or sure. <laughs> the Hello Kitty or Hello Kitty. Okay, I could call it the Wonder Woman plane or the Hello Kitty. What do you want? Ah, that's a good question. I feel like you need to add something to the Hello Kitty. <laughs> 
The Hello Kitty Carrier? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so the Hello Kitty Carrier. You're okay with that? I'm okay Because I know that. you really hate the Wonder Woman plane. I don't know why you take yeah. such offense. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's not a plane. It's a Hello Carrier. It's, like, monstrously big. Okay, so the Hello Kitty Carrier. Yeah, there you go. All right. Deal. Shake my hand. No. How do you shake hands? <laughs> to which I have another uh, quote that I thought was funny. Oh, boy. Uh, so uh, Pietro goes, this is S.H.I.E.L.D.? And uh, they say, this is what S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed, supposed to be. be. And yeah. he says. I don't remember what. At least he's not the web. <laughs> 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 so the Avengers load all of the civilians, but not before Pietro, the, the boy twin, saves the life of Barton and a little boy. And mm-hmm. um, But he dies in the process. Mm-hmm. And Wanda is so pissed that she finds stuff, the anger robot Ultron. Who had tried to escape in the shield jet, but the Hulk had jumped onto the jet and like thrown him off. And so he got tossed out the window. Mm-hmm. And so Steph warns Wanda if she stays and fights him, he's gonna, she's gonna die too. And Wanda says, I already she did. Died. Yeah. And do you know what it felt like? And she rips his electronic heart out of his chest. And she says, I don't know. I it was... felt like that. Oh, it felt like so Natasha tries to get the Hulk to calm down and uh, land the plane, but he cuts off communication. I guess he's is he trying to kill himself or disappear? He's trying to disappear for good because he's in love with her or something. Yeah, and he just he's a he's a murder machine, and mm-hmm. so that's a lot to deal with. It is. So plus you know, and obviously there's a lot of inadequacies he's trying to deal with, and you know they established earlier that Natasha has hit on everybody at certain points and. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like he needs better help. It does. Better help if you want us to. Uh, Since you sponsor half the podcast, do a sponsorship. I, I'm volunteering. There you go. That's all you get for this one. <laughs> 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 so Stark figures out how to blow the meteor city into little bits, littler bits. Mm-hmm. So they get all the rest of the civilians off of the floating meteor death trap. So War Machine, mm-hmm. Don Cheadle, uh, shows up. Previously known as Her- Terrence Howard. I-, I like Don Cheadle. I do. But I really liked, I'm like attached to Terrence Howard. And I know there was like a whole thing you don't have to go into. I know. Yeah. Uh, look at our Iron Man episode yes. to hear my total opinion. But yes, I agree. I, I love Don Cheadle. He's a national treasure. But Terrence Howard is definitely grubby. Yeah. So he shows up and he helps fight off the rest of the robot minions. But Vision steals his thunder by slapping a bunch of them out of the sky because he's, like, getting ready to, like, do it. And mm-hmm. then he's, like, they're all gone. And he's, like, what the? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so Vision has a moment with Steph the angry robot Ultron. And mm-hmm. they talk about humans. And this part made me cry, which is stupid. <laughs> mm. And how they think that chaos and order are somehow opposite. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's two very more smart beings than us talking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Philosophy. They try to control what won't be. It says their grace is in their failings, and I think mm-hmm. you missed that. And Steph, the angry robot, Ultron says, well, they won't last. And Vision says, oh, jeez. Yes, but the thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> oh, Lord. I feel like we have to watch the last episode of WandaVision because if this got you, Vision has a line that like is now quoted over and over and over again. Can I just watch the line? <laughs> the scene, but you will be a wreck. I don't want to be a wreck. Uh, 
Um, so anyway, is mm-hmm. that the show that they took? Um, uh, they found Van Gogh and they were time traveling, and then they that's Doctor Who. Oh. <laughs> And that scene made me cry because they took Van Gogh to the museum and he, he got to see people like looking at his work and he was like, oh, well, I'm talking about how oh he my changed God. <laughs> I didn't even, I, clearly I never watched an episode of that show, but you showed me that clip and I was like, that's my watching things from the hallway, just so you know. <laughs> okay. When you get, mm-hmm. when you get uh, anxious and you watch things from the hallway, that's what you just that's what yeah that's what the scene will do but you need to see the scene because oh, it's okay. amazing i can't right now though mm-hmm. give me a second if i i knew how to drink coffee i would drink it <laughs> <laughs> steph the angry robot ultron tells him that he's super naive and he says i don't know well i was born oh well i was born yesterday <laughs> so steph makes a move and vision zaps him with the stone uh the genie gem Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but wouldn't he still be around? Because he just needs to jump into something electronic? That's, again, why they, I, I'm sure in the quest for more money, they will <laughs> say somehow he jumped into a toaster or something. But An angry toasted my Pop-Tart. But that was the. But uh, the joke's on him because I like overcooked Pop-Tarts. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole purpose of him earlier, like uh, shutting him down. So like all the robots that Ultron was controlling, he had he control saw, over. Mm. And so that was the last of the robots. Oh, okay. So they, it was like a, it's a physical manifestation of the, 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 the ethereal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So back home at the S.H.I.E.L.D. training facility, Stark decides to take some time off. Thor decides to find out what's up with all the genie gems that keep showing up all of a sudden, because that's not a good sign, I guess. They argue over Vision being worthy to hold the hammer because he's a machine, like mm-hmm. an elevator. Not worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, elevator goes up. Not worthy. And uh, Thor says... I'm going to miss these little dogs. Of ours. Of ours. <laughs> Fury tells Natasha that they have found a crash plane and that Banner will find his way back someday. And Barton's wife has had their baby. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. And they name him. You'd say what they name him. <laughs> so originally, <laughs> they thought it was going to be a girl, and mm-hmm. so they were going to name name her Natasha. And then early we established that it's like no, it's actually going to be a boy. So his name's going to be Nathaniel. So kind of named after Natasha. And she bends over to the woman and says, "Traitor." And then <laughs> uh, so the child, the baby who is born. Mm-hmm. His sweater says his name, Nathaniel Pietro Barton. And then I started crying because mm-hmm. <laughs> I missed it. And, and you were I like, brought it back. hey, did you see what it says? And did I see what's on the sweater? And I was like, ah! So Natasha and Steve Rogers are going to train a new class of Avengers. And mm-hmm. Natasha asks, well, how they look? And Rogers says, well, they're not the. Uh, they're not the 18. They're not. They're not the 27 Yankees. Ah, there you go. That makes sense. <laughs> So we learn that the new class is Vision, Wanda in a new outfit, uh, Falcon, War Machine. Uh, then we get an extra credit scene. The guy. Thanos, yes. He's got his fist cup sans genie gems, mm-hmm. I noticed. And he says, fine, I'll do it myself. And I was like, who is that? Josh Brolin. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, he's just like forever brand to me. So uh, the fact that he's like an old man now i just doesn't compute to me uh, sorry I, he will always be a goonie to me see and that's funny because i saw goonies so late like i just i always he's always like 
fifty to me. So yeah, so that's it. The wax poetic part starts now. What's really interesting is that in the comic books, there's this character named Hank Pym. So the Michael Douglas Hank Pym is way too under control. And in the comic books, Tony Stark, as, as played by Robert Downey Jr., is a very cool character, but he's actually an amalgamation of Tony Stark from the comic books, Reed Richards, and Hank Pym. And so that's one of the reasons it's so hard to cast Mr. Fantastic in or Reed Richards in Fantastic Four is because we've already seen the character's issues through Tony Stark. And so one day in the future, possibly when we are long gone, they're going to start the Avengers again with Hank Pym because he's the one who starts Ultron and that. <sighs> Never mind. I feel like. You're saying a lot of words. I'm saying a lot of words. <laughs> Describe my uh, my physical choices right now. <laughs> uh, feels is So Corey is slouched over. And she's got her right elbow on the table, and she's got her right hand burrowing into her my like fingers. third eye, because I think I'm her, stabbing her, my third eye. Because I think her consciousness is trying to leave her because she's being so glossed over, and she's trying to make sure her 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 uh, her soul stays inside. Stay inside. Leaving as I'm trying to explain. Please don't escape. I need you. The uh, Venn diagram of Reed Richards. <laughs> Tony Stark and Hank Pym. You know who likes Venn diagrams? Who's that? Your child. Nice. We went and saw The Lion King mm-hmm. on Broadway. Well, it was on. It was the the touring Lion King Broadway mm-hmm. show. And uh, when we got home, she wanted to watch the movie immediately, and she wanted to. She made a Venn diagram, and she was she compared the movie mm-hmm. and the stage play. Okay, so to sum up the stuff I was going to say. <laughs> me <laughs> <laughs> i just realized <laughs> through our daughter's genius that what i was trying to say earlier more succinctly oh. is one of the issues why the marvel cinematic universe is going to have issues going forward is tony stark's in the comics was not nearly as deep as what robert downey jr has created and so the great stories of reed richards and hank pym have already been told through the story we've seen so far with the Infinity War. So it'll be interesting to see where Marvel goes from here. Well, what does that have to do with the Lion King? So we have uh, no view, no listeners now? Have we, have we lost every listener? Everyone's no. gone. Everyone's gone? <laughs> they all left. All right. All right. Uh, well, uh, so that's your TED Talk for today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. What's, what day is it? What's going on? Okay. So, I don't know how to tie my shoes. <laughs> there is so much backstory and so much going on in these movies that I mm-hmm. always feel like I'm barely catching up. You're doing it, though. You're holding up. I'm doing it, guys. You're doing it. Sokovia, coconut, verb- coconut lime verbena. It smells really good. All right. I mean, nothing compares to 1990s vintage Bath and Body pear, glistening pear. Oh, my gosh. That was the scent and i liked it so of course they got rid of it and i've never been able to find it again actually i did find it wasn't bath and body works it was some other lotion and i had happened to sniff it in a gift shop and i freaked out and i bought three of them so i bought one for me and i bought one for two of my best friends Mm -hmm. because we all enjoyed that smell and so i i had it and i would just smell it anyway Mm -hmm. this movie yes 
So I didn't like it as much as the last Avengers movie, but mm-hmm. I liked it better than the spy one. That's interesting. You liked this better than... I didn't remember the spy movie. I was just like, I it's, I don't know what's happening right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did like the budding romance between Natasha and Banner, mm-hmm. and the relationship between Stark and Banner is always a treat. It also completely is not what happened in the comic books, but I liked how Hawkeye has a wife who's off the grid. They fleshed out some of the characters who don't get their own movie. I noticed that there always seems to be one pretty lady extra that they focus on on the battle scenes. Yeah, that was pretty clear this this time. I was like, who's it going to be? Oh, there she is. It's like, <laughs> oh, a buxom blonde in a sundress. Oh, no, who's going to save her? It does seem like it keeps following the same storyline of human extinction. Avengers fight off an entire race of alien beings, but... I do see that they ha- they did raise the stakes from the last time, mm-hmm. but um, I find it quite trying. What happens in these movies, what is leaked out is basically Kevin Feige and his team has like, this is what the battle scenes are going to look like. These are the new shots we're going to create. Mm-hmm. And then the directors basically get to do everything else, mm-hmm. and which has caused some directors to say, no, I'm not going to do a Marvel movie. Because it's too cookie cutter? Yeah, because it's kind of like the form like, and, and they're creating the color and kind of the world around it. But a few directors have complained that they walk in and they're like, yeah, by the way, the movie's done. You're just going to. You're just going to be gonna in charge your, of the You're going to put your shading, your shading on it. <laughs> so you want to hear my rating? Because uh, yeah. I'm like, at, I like have nothing left to say. So I would give this movie two thumbs in the middle. Oh, okay. Because um, I'm kind of getting worn out. It feels like I'm watching the same movie. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm just watching more of the same thing. After this movie, there was a bunch of changes made. This is basically the last big Joss Whedon movie. Mm-hmm. And it did really well. But looking at the feedback, they said, oh, okay, we need to kind of change it more. We need to kind of not tell the same story over and over again. Oh, okay, so it's and not so just me feeling like the same story is being exactly. told over and over again. That's the issue with superhero movies, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why people get so tired of superhero movies is just like, oh, there's a big bad guy who will kill everybody, and then yeah. the hero saves the day. And there's a big battle scene. And so I, I'm, I'm surprised that you put this one above the spy one. Many people put the spy one as as the best one of all time. Really? Yeah. Well, I just, I just because I was really confused the whole time with that one, and I was just like, ah! Well, this one had James Spader. Uh, tr- that's probably why. Yes. There you go. Because, you know, he's my friend, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a fan. You're a fan friend. I wouldn't say he was a fan. I would say that he uh, he smirked when he realized that he had tripped me up a little <laughs> bit. And I went, ugh. Which is, the big, which is the best James Spader reaction you can hope for. Well, because he stuffed the angry robot Ultron. He's perfect. Exactly. He's maniacal. There are no strings on me. <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> understand what keeps happening yeah life keeps happening jeez i feel like um the next one is gonna be an october one just like end of october one probably just because um we're trying to move yeah who knows what's gonna happen there certain signs have converged that let us know that this might be the time to move (laughs) so we might be busy packing and Mm -hmm. moving things and uh so what movie are you gonna (laughs) force me to watch well, as you know, I'm not allowed to celebrate Halloween. Mm-hmm. I do not celebrate Halloween. I did meet you at a Halloween party, mm-hmm. uh, which was like my first Halloween party I had ever attended Therefore at the best. age 30. <laughs> However, I don't remember what happened, but I thought of this movie, and I love this movie so much. 
Oh, gosh, I hope it's still as good as I remember it. It's got Oliver Platt, mm-hmm. Matthew Perry. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care too much about Nev Campbell, but she's in it, too. Mm-hmm. So it's called Three to Tango. I've seen it several times. I'm sure it's going to age so well. I don't know if because it will. <laughs> dealing with the themes of this movie usually <laughs> ages so well. Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, since it's October times, mm-hmm. you did participate in Halloween when you were little. Yeah, celebrated the fun, creative side of it. Not trunk or treat. Yeah. Did you ever do a trunk or treat? No, trunk or treats are after my time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we actually used to go to people's houses, actually. Jeez. So, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. this gives me, uh, with Miss Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, this gives me an opportunity to watch a movie I liked a lot when I first saw it. And have not seen since, which is The Craft. So uh, oh no one God. tell. Don't tell my mom. Don't tell Chloe's I mom. I am not allowed. See, this is why I have a fascination and like, so freaked out by supernatural stuff. Because it's witches, right? Oh, yeah. <sighs> That's why I'm not allowed to watch this. The good thing about your family's approach to Halloween is there is an evil component of it. And your parents really wanted to keep any of that stuff away from you guys. Why are you talking about Satan's holiday? <laughs> so... So yeah, so that giving a, a having a healthy respect of of bad things is. Have you seen this more than once? Just once. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's got. Um, oh, I can't remember her name. Rob- oh, was she the one in um, Encino Man? Did you see uh, Robin Tunney, Feruza Balk, Miss Campbell, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, it's got Skeet Ulrich and Brecken Meyer, so you know it's good. Oh my gosh! I remember liking it. So speaking of Encino Man, I've already played my Polly Shore card, haven't I? Yes. So can I not play a Polly Shore card ever again? Uh, no, as long as it's within the. Because you need to see Encino Man as oh, well. I saw Encino Man. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh. Eh. Oh my Had God. the wheel. Was she in Encino Man? The Mentalist. I didn't know she was in Prison Break. Ugh. She's in all the shows I hate. <laughs> All the shows you and your mom watch, and I'm like, no she thanks. Was. That's her. Uh, yeah, I know. That's her fourth movie. That's where I know her from. She will always be an Encino man to me, and Josh Brolin will always be a Goonie. <laughs> All right. So anyway, follow us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. The most important thing that you can do for us, however, is to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to write like an actual review. You could just say, hey, I, uh, hi. <laughs> hi, five stars. Hi, five stars. Yeah, anywhere you could subscribe to us, that would be great. We love doing this. And so, uh, yeah, we'd love to keep doing it to more people. So. Yes, do it to more people. Do it for more people. Maybe. Do it for more people. I don't know. We love Do it doing in this. front of more people. We're, we are uh, <laughs> actors on the side, so we need... We need strangers' approval. Yes, so... However, I do get a little freaked out when someone adds us on Facebook and I don't know them. I get like, oh! Yeah, yeah. Because on my personal profile, that never happens. But it's like, oh no, you're pub- it's a public profile, so you are going to have people you don't know. Yes. But it freaks me out every time. Well, thank you very much for listening to us, and uh, we'll talk at you later. I forgot how to sign off. I forgot how to use a computer.